Welcome to the Health of Woman podcast. Today is Monday, March 1st, 2021. I'm joined today by Aviva Breda to talk about live kidney donation, meaning donating one of your kidneys while you're still alive, as opposed to donating organs after you die. Aviva is a wonderful and inspirational woman who decided to donate one of her kidneys to a total stranger. She was inspired to do this through the work of a terrific organization, Renewal, who is partnering with us for this podcast. For more information on Renewal, you can check out their website, www.renewal.org, or you can follow them on Facebook. On Thursday, we will have a high-risk birth story with Stephanie Melka, when the OB becomes the high-risk patient. Reminder that we will have a Healthful Woman podcast every Monday and a high-risk birth story every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to both podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. All right, we're here with Aviva Breda to talk about kidney donation. Aviva, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting and I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. We've been going back and forth for a little bit of time about this as a really interesting topic, sort of half of it on the medical side and half of it just sort of on the, you know, human interest side (laughs) of it because it's such a, it's such a fascinating topic about live organ donation, obviously, because you are quite alive sitting across from me and you donated a kidney. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. I donated my kidney on May 21st of 2019. Fantastic. Yeah. It's been such an incredible experience and something that I really didn't even know was a possibility. I didn't know that you could be alive and still donate, <laughs> donate your organs. Um, I mean, not all of them, but some of them at least. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So just to take us back for, to the beginning of this story. So, you know, you had the donation in 2019, but give me your background. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? You know, uh, you know, from birth to 2019, okay. give me the synopsis. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll try to uh, make it brief. I grew up in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I um, went to, you know, uh, the local schools. And um, I got married in 2001. I married my high school sweetheart. We've Mm -hmm. been together for a long time. Uh, We live in Teaneck, New Jersey. We have three kids, a 16-year-old boy, a 13-year-old boy, and an eight-year-old girl. So at the time, uh, my husband is an accountant Mm -hmm. and he works in the city. He has not been in the city for quite some time, (laughs) but in theory, he works in the city. He was working in the city very long hours. I worked actually for a while as a preschool teacher. I did that for six years. And then when my youngest was born, I decided to stay home Mm -hmm. and uh, be home with her. So I did that. And then when she was about four, really in full-time school, I decided to start my own business where I do uh, personal shopping and I do um, a bit of event consulting and design consulting. So I I work for myself, which had a huge, um, that was a huge plus for me in terms of that. But so I was pretty much in the house with some outside forays. Got it. And so how did the idea of donating a kidney even come about? So it's actually a really interesting story. Like I mentioned earlier, I really didn't even know that you could donate a kidney whilst 
being alive um, and remaining alive afterwards. There was, um, at the time, a very uh, prominent rabbi in the community, Rabbi Adler, uh, needed a kidney. And there started to be a lot of information going around and posts and Facebook and things like that. And um, one of his sons donated his kidney to him. And I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know. I guess if you can, then, you know, your kid, your mother, your father, something like that. That made perfect sense to me. Then I started to hear more about this organization called Renewal. And um, what Renewal does is they facilitate the the matching between donors and recipients. Renewal, Who don't know each other. No, right. absolutely, totally yeah. not. There are cases, obviously, when right. it's a directed donation to a family right. member or if you you know, know that someone needs it, you can call them and say, I'd like to donate specifically to this person. But on the whole, they take people who are willing to donate and match them with people who need. They have Mm -hmm. a registry. And the benefit of going through an organization like Renewal is that I believe the UNOS um, organ donation registry, the wait for a kidney is close to seven years. Mm -hmm. And typically that's not even a live kidney. Right. So uh, the research, and I'm sure you can expand on this, but the research that I've heard shows that a live kidney is just a much more effective organ. Mm -hmm. It works right away. Um, It has a much longer shelf life. You know, it just is just a better option. So Renewal really tries to find people who are willing to donate or who want to donate their organ, their kidneys and match them with the recipients who need them. Right. Because UNOS is really for people who unfortunately are, you know, passing away and having their organ donor card. It's not meant for people to call UNOS and say, hey, I want to just donate a kidney kidney randomly to somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So so renewal was was involved in that uh, in that donation and making you know facilitating that even though it was directed within the family. So they started to do these awareness events and they started to try to spread the word really among the Teaneck community because you know Rabbi Adler was such a well known person. They felt you know this would be a great place to just spread some awareness. So that's really where I first heard about it. They had a humongous event. They it was in 2017. I don't know there there must have been close to a thousand people in attendance, which mm-hmm. is like you know, mind boggling now, but it was a huge event and they made it, you know, they, as a way to honor people who had donated kidneys in the past in the community, which was much more of like a quiet, not a secret, but it just, it wasn't, I don't know, or maybe I just didn't know, but it just wasn't really so talked about. And so they made this beautiful event and, um, my husband and I are friends with Rabbi Adler's son and daughter-in-law. And they reached out to us and they said, could you man one of the tables during the event? They were going to offer swabbing at the event for anyone who was interested. So, you know, we said, sure, we have no idea what that entails, but okay, right. we'll, we'll sit at a table, sure. So we did. And that night I swapped. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I said, okay, I'm here. I'll swab the inside of my cheeks. Seems harmless. And I had swabbed in the past for um, bone marrow, which is an entirely different registry. Right. So do both if you're interested. Mm -hmm. But um, so I decided to swab. And that night, I remember so clearly, they had um, on stage, they brought up a donor and a recipient who had never met. And they were meeting for the first time on stage. And it was just unreal. I mean, to see... Not just the effect on the actual recipient, but her husband, her family, everyone who's there. I mean, she saved a world. She saved a whole family just by donating her kidney. And to see her stand up there and be 100% fine right. and very much alive, you know, right. was was so inspiring. And the, and the thing she said that I'll never forget is God gives us a gift of an extra kidney. And it's not ours to keep, but it's ours to share. And I had no idea. I really had no idea. I didn't know that you had two kidneys, but you really only need one to function completely, fully, Mm -hmm. at 100%, you know, capacity. So 
that stuck with me. And I remember um, a day or two after the event, they were inundated with swabs. I mean, it was such an inspirational event that they couldn't even process the amount of swabs that they got because it would have put them into bankruptcy. I mean, it costs so much money to process each swab. So they were making calls. And someone from Renewal, someone who I've since become very close with, Irit, called. And she has a beautiful South African uh, accent. (laughs) And, you know, and I panicked immediately. So like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You you found someone already? All I did was swab the inside of my cheek. And she said, no, no, you know, we're just calling to follow up with all the people who swab to see, you know, how serious where their interests are. And I said, you know, oh, okay, sure. Send me some information. So she did. And um, it took me about two years till I actually called them back and said, okay, now, now I'm ready. And what, what happened in those two years that made you, or that solidified, obviously that the seeds were planted at that time, but, but what was it? Is it just time or did it was an event or what was it? It's funny the whole time. I really had it very, I wouldn't even say it was in the back of my mind. It was very much in the forefront of my mind the whole time. And I kept saying to my husband, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm really going to do it. And I think probably after a year and a half, he turned to me and he said, okay, so, so do it. You know, like, like almost like I was threatening him all that time. And I did. And I called, I actually called, I sent an email very, you know, unassuming. Oh, I was just thinking about it. Maybe it's the right time. And within 20 minutes, someone from Renewal called me back. And, you know, they said, we don't, we don't take this lightly. If someone's interested, you know, there, unfortunately, there are people waiting. So if it's something you're thinking about, you know, we want to give you all the information. And what was so interesting was that two years, almost two years later, they didn't have my swab. My swab wasn't viable anymore. So, so he was so lovely, Rabbi Steinmetz from Renewal. And he said to me, I'm going to send you the kit no obligations, nothing, you know, no expectations. I'm sending you the kit. If you decide to send it back, we'll be happy to get it. If not, you know, no problem, no hard feelings. Lovely to talk to you. Right. They must toe a difficult line between trying to convince people to do it, but not trying to get someone to sign up, but then regrets it or backs out the last minute because it's it's hard for them, I imagine. They have to be so careful. There is no pressure, no coercion, nothing. So much so that actually I've spoken now numerous times at some of their awareness events. And every time at the end, there's a QA and a and, and someone will, you know, ask, okay, I can't donate a kidney, but let me give you money. Let me, let me help the organization. And 100%, they will not take a penny from anyone who is affiliated with the recipient until the transplant is completed because there can't be any ambiguity in terms right. of things like that. And they are so supportive. Every single time you speak to someone at renewal throughout the entire process, they say to you, do you want to proceed? Are you right. sure you want to proceed? You know, it is, it's an extremely difficult line because as the donor, even having expressed that you might want to donate, you almost feel the sense of, you feel like you've already committed and how could you say no? When I went for my, um, for my first physical, you know, my initial day of testing and I met with a nephrologist and, you know, he just said to me, okay, you know, once you go through all the screenings and everything, you'll decide when to do the transplant. And I said to him, like, are you kidding me? Like, there's somebody dying. What do you mean? I'll decide. And he said, you know, it's not like that. It's not like, someone needs a heart tonight or, you know, like people, unfortunately people are, you know, linger on dialysis for a long time. And, and renewal is extremely, extremely careful about making sure that everything is a hundred percent in order for the donor and everything is a hundred percent in the donor's hands. Right. Did you have any, obviously you're thinking about it and you decided, but did you have any specific fears about doing it that either you you had, but got answered very quickly or things that 
always lingered up until the day you did it, but didn't really want to talk about it or anything like that? Truthfully, I really didn't. There's um, a book, it's called The Kidney Donor's Journey, 100 Questions, you know, you'd want to ask or you're afraid right. to ask, something like that. Um, it's written by Rabbi Ari Sittner, who lives in the Teaneck Bergenfield community, and he is a donor. So I read through that book cover to cover. I really didn't have any fears for me. I was at a point in my life where I was you know, pretty confident I was done having kids. So the issue of pregnancy afterwards mm -hmm. wasn't, I wasn't concerned about that. In terms of other health questions, you know, everything that I read about, heard about, talked about with people from the renewal community and just doctors that I had met with, there really wasn't any downside. I mean, they told me I would have to switch from Advil to Tylenol, which to me was terrifying because I relied on Advil. Um, I thought Tylenol was just like, you know, candy, but I have since gotten used to Tylenol and it's okay. But really, other than that, there really wasn't anything I was, I was concerned about. One thing that did come up, Actually, it didn't even come up for me, but it's come up since um, questions that I've gotten from other people. If you give it away now, what if? Like, what if your right. husband needs it or your mother or your kid or something? What if? And truthfully, I really didn't even think about it at the time. It just wasn't, I don't know, for some reason it didn't come up. But I just feel so strongly that someone else would step up. I mean, I, right. just by saving mine, does it, first of all, I might not be the right match. I mean, right. there's so many things that could go go into it. It just didn't feel like it was a reason not to do it. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing that came up was um, when I went in to meet with not only you don't only meet with doctors and, you know, the surgeon, the nephrologist and things like that. You also meet with a transplant coordinator and a psychologist and a psychiatrist and all of those people to make sure that you're in the right you know mental space to do something like this. And one of the things that they that they asked was, well, what if it doesn't work? You know, what if it fails or what if, God forbid, the patient doesn't come, the recipient yeah. doesn't come through, you know? It's a good and, question. I didn't think about you that. Know, that was yeah. a really hard one because it's almost like, you know, you, I wasted my shot. You know, right. this was my chance to do something. But I just, I don't know. E even after hearing that, you know, it just, I wasn't discouraged. I just felt like if that's what it would be, then, but thank God it didn't. And, you know, it's a scary thing. That part is definitely a scary thing to think about. How would you feel if, but how could you make that decision? You know, I felt... I felt so strongly I was giving my kidney more to to God to get to right. the right person than than maybe maybe I would have felt differently if it was directed and I knew where it was going and I felt strongly about you know the health of right. the person you know specifically but I just felt like it was out of my hands. Right. At no time in this process did you know who would be going to, right? Absolutely not. Right, the that's how it thing, runs. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that I knew was that he was a man in his 60s and he had two kids and that right. was it. Right. All the and he could have been from anywhere, anywhere in the world, right? Anything. Yeah, 100%. They fly right. people in. They bring people for sure. And I knew he was registered at Cornell because that's where I was having all of my right. my appointments. So yeah, it could have been anyone from anywhere and you don't know anything. And what's really, really special about Renewal is that no one on their recipient side knows either. They didn't know that I was testing and that I was his preliminary match. Right. They did not know. Right. They didn't know that it's like like in was, the works, exactly, so to speak, because you don't exactly. want to let them down if it doesn't if it doesn't happen or you back out exactly. or something like that. Exactly. And it was um, they only find out. I've since gotten to hear the incredible story of how my recipient found out about yeah. his uh, that he was getting his transplant. He was actually his. Um, I I was able. Last year, I was able to be in Israel, and his my recipient sister lives in Israel, and I was able to meet her and meet her daughter, and it was really wonderful. And um, she told me that their parents are buried in Israel, and my recipient, his name is Amos, hadn't been able to be 
in Israel for years. He couldn't go and visit them there, the cemetery and, and be there with his sister. And um, there was something that he felt very strongly about doing, but because he was on dialysis and he was tied to the machines yeah. and the medications, he just couldn't travel like right. that. Right. Just logistically, it wasn't an option. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and she actually told me that they had finally decided, I think it was in March, March, April, May, maybe April, that like it was enough, you know, it was time they were going to figure it out. And they had been through tons of different agencies and and organizations to get all the medications he would need to have him set up on dialysis when he got to Israel. And he had finally booked a ticket and they were on the phone and he got a call waiting. And the the uh, call that came in was from renewal to tell him that the transplant was scheduled for two weeks from that day. Wow. So it's it's just so so incredible. Yeah. What What about your family, your friends, when maybe more than your immediate family, but sort of a little bit extended, when you told them, was the reaction like, oh my God, you're awesome. This is great. Or you're out of your mind. What are you doing? Or I assume everything in between. I actually kept the whole thing completely quiet. I felt like this was a huge something I was going to do for me. It was something that I felt strongly about. And I, I feel like sometimes when you put something out there's a lot of pressure and I didn't want any undue pressure on myself. You know, I knew I wasn't going to back out. I felt pretty strongly about that, but I just didn't want any, you know, there could be complications, things could right. come up and I just didn't want it. The only people who knew, I told my husband, obviously. Um, well, not obviously. <laughs> well, I did tell my husband. <laughs> who knows? You know, it's, it's funny for, that you for all see I know, that. my wife's giving away half her liver. I, you know, maybe she didn't tell me. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. There are actually, there's an entire group of um, of Hasidim from, I believe, mostly New Square, who uh-huh. do who donate kidneys without anyone knowing. Yeah. Their spouses, nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they go on a business trip. Yeah, that's out and there. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, uh, my husband knew. My parents knew. Because I actually asked my parents for their blessing. I don't want to say permission. I understand. But yeah. I, I felt pretty strongly that if right. my parents were they made you against it. Right. They gave you two kidneys. Exactly. <laughs> that I that I wasn't going to go through with it. And thank God that was my mother was a little more of a hurdle than my father. Mm-hmm. But they did. They did give me their full support. So they knew. I told my sisters probably the end of March. Mm hmm. Uh, the whole thing started probably January, beginning of January, and the transplant was in May. So I mm-hmm. didn't tell my sisters until March, mm-hmm. and that was it. What did they think about this? Everyone was really, really supportive. I think I think there was a lot of like, oh my God, she's out of her mind, but they kept that more to themselves. But they were really, really supportive of it. I think they all just felt like, wow, like yeah. that, that's an incredible- They didn't expect to hear that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it was definitely a surprise. What about afterwards then, when everyone found out, was it- you know, how, what were the, what was the responses? At some point people found out, yeah. I mean, you're talking on a podcast, <laughs> so I assume somebody knows. Absolutely. Right. The morning of the surgery, uh, in the Uber at five in the morning, I, there was a select group of people who I felt I wanted to make sure they heard it from me. So I sent a text, um, a very like, this is what's happening. And I wanted to make sure you heard it from me. The response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, I didn't speak to anyone that morning, but the text that I got back, except for one, um, who turn um, around? <laughs> no, I mean it. It was still extremely right. positive. It was right. just like I'm not sure how I feel about this, right. you know, right, and, right. Which I think was part of the reason that I wanted to wait. You yeah. know, I just didn't know that I could handle all of that pushback or or even just questioning. Like, I yeah, just, just makes the whole process longer. I guess I don't. Yeah. Did you know? Do most people 
sort of do it the way you did keep it quiet until or do most people I mean what's your experience just in this world so I it's really a, a big mix some uh-huh. people are like you know posting on their Facebook accounts 10 day countdown or you know right. whatever and other people are just some people are even even more quiet than I than I was you mm-hmm. know renewal likes to do on the morning of the transplant and you know unfortunately with with everything going on and not being able to be in the hospitals with the patients right. now it's a lot it's a lot harder but the way that it was you know there's a coordinator you're you're donation coordinator who meets you in the hospital that morning. And and what they typically do is they'll do a short video of the donor right before surgery, just, you know, talking about what's going on. And then they match it up with a short video of the recipient. Right. And they put that out while you're in surgery so that people can, you know, pray for you, have you in mind. And a right. lot of people found out that way mm. from my video, which was kind of my my intention, because at that point it was like out of my hands. I was right. already in. And <laughs> you're, you're under anesthesia. Exactly, <laughs> like, say what you want to say. It's it's all over. Right. But there's definitely there's definitely a mix. There's mm. definitely a mix for me. I actually I told my two older kids probably a week before. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell my daughter who was six at the time until yeah. the night before. Right. And so b- before we get to the, the the day of, what is the process leading up to you, you know, from that call where you said, I'm interested mm-hmm. and you, you know, you mentioned you're at a doctor and you're yes, this, like yes. what, what actually happens sort of step by step? Sure. So uh, the first step is swabbing. It's a cheek swab on the four quadrants mm-hmm. of your mouth. You mail that back in. It takes about three to four weeks for them to process the swab, have everything tested. And then they right, find- That's just DNA testing, exactly. basically. Yeah. yeah. I think, I, you know, I wish I could tell you that I knew what they're looking for. I know you need to be a blood type match and yeah. something called These maybe HLAs. HLA. Yeah. It's, it's basically how they match people for organs or anything right. like that. It's, it's a DNA test, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So they do that. And then once they find your preliminary match, they'll call you and say, you know, okay, you know, if you'd like to proceed, we have a preliminary match who is registered at, uh, they work mostly with the hospitals in New York City, Hackensack, Northwell um, as well, and um, Cornell, I believe Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. and uh, NYU, I know for sure. And they, meaning that renewal has access to the database of people looking for kidneys and their genetic information, or they just send this to the hospital, say, hey, here's the option. These are our people. Does anyone match? Renewal has their own database of people. Right. And these people are registered with one of the hospitals that right. Renewal works with. So I don't know exactly how how that like who hold like who holds yeah, on to the spreadsheet. I don't, or I don't something. know exactly okay, that's fine. that part, but I know that that's where they have relationships with the surgeons and mm-hmm. the transplant teams and all of that, and they have access essentially right. to okay. those. To so those they hospitals. tell you there's a preliminary match exactly, and, and then, then then phase two. Phase two is then you are contacted by the hospital where your preliminary recipient is. Uh, registered. They set up a full day of testing. It's, you know, they joke that it's like the million dollar physical. Like right. if you if you ever want to get a really great physical, just, <laughs> just offer to donate your kidney. So it's, it consists of a 24 hour urine collection, mm-hmm. you know, before yeah. the, before the, uh, the appointment, they took probably more blood than I thought I had in my body. Right. <laughs> um, and then you are examined by a nephrologist. You meet with a psychologist, um, a transplant coordinator, and also get an EKG and a chest X-ray. Yeah, that makes sense. I think yeah, that's, I guess so. Yeah, and, and and all of this obviously you're not they're not you're not paying for it. Oh this. no, yeah, yeah. So, this is all yeah. yeah. The donor, part of the plan. The donor never even takes out an insurance card. It's, right. It's like a bizarre experience. Every every expense is covered by the recipient's insurance. Right. And it's really it's a full 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 day. Um, you do all of those things. You spend the day at the hospital, and renewal sends a 
in my case, and I hope that they're still able to do this now. They send your transplant coordinator to sit with you. I mean, he treated me like a celebrity, mm-hmm. held my coat, brought me snacks and right. coffee, and it's phenomenal. Um, so that was that. Um, I went home, and they tell you again that the transplant board then has to meet about two weeks later. And from that day, I was like, I was so anxious. I was like, oh, my God, what if what if they don't take me? What if I messed up? What if something right. was wrong? You failed. Yeah. And <laughs> That's bad news. <laughs> it's crazy that there there are so many stories of people whose lives have been saved from that. Because they find they find yeah, some illness things, or something, something yeah. that they've never expected. And most of those people have gone on to be able to donate later in life once mm-hmm. they've resolved whatever, whatever happened. Um, so after that, when once you're approved by the transplant board, which feels like it felt like winning the lottery, it was such an exciting day. They ask you, OK, it's amazing that it's an exciting day to find out you're allowed to give up a kidney. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's the mindset that I was in from the time that I actually decided, like, OK, I'm really going to do this until it happened. Like it was like I'm, I, I think I'm still there now, you know, right. it just emotionally has changed my life so, so, so much. So they approved me. I was mm-hmm. thrilled. And then they said to me, okay, give us a call when you want to schedule the transplant. Just like that. And I said, what do you mean? Like, right. let's when, do it. Whenever like, you're ready. Yeah. You know, so they said it's really has to work for your schedule. It's really all about right. making it as easy as possible for the donor. Right. Because you have to take off X amount of work exactly. and this and, you know, all those things afterwards. Yeah. You okay. have to, you know, they want to make sure that it's going to work best for right. you. Right. Right. So I said, you know, I looked through my calendar and I said, okay, it's after after Passover. That's a good time. Before my parents go back to Florida, that's a good time. Right. You know, maybe they'll be around to help with the kids. And I said, let's do it on a Tuesday. So hopefully I'll be home for the weekend. Right. So that's we scheduled for May 21st. Mm-hmm. And... That was it. How long were you in the hospital afterwards? Typically, I don't want to give kidney donation a bad name, but (laughs) kidney donors are typically in the hospital for two nights. Mm -hmm. Save it on Tuesday, go home Thursday. Exactly. Um, And that is really, really typically how it goes. I've actually met numerous donors who have gone home after one night. And the incision is very small. They do it mostly laparoscopic, right? So I had the surgeon that I had um, at at, at Cornell, his name is Dr. Del Pizzo, Mm -hmm. and he is... Typically, you have three incisions, mm-hmm. like an in, out, and a something yeah. else. I don't know. But I only have one. Right. One very small incision by my belly button. I actually asked him if he could use my C-section scar, but he told me it was nowhere near where he right. needed to go. Right. So now that was... he's taking out your bladder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, a very small incision at my um, at my belly button. But because it's laparoscopic and they have to fill you with air, mm-hmm. it caused some problems for me mm-hmm. afterwards. Well, I ended up in the hospital for five days, but mm-hmm. not... It could have been from any surgery. It had nothing right. to do with the fact that it was a kidney. Right, right. It wasn't a kidney complication. Not at all. It was just yeah. anesthesia was just taking its very sweet yeah. time to pass through, and it just made made me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it just made things a little slower. Okay, so you have a nice room overlooking the East River of Manhattan for five nights. Private yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, beautiful. They treat you like like a yeah. like a queen. You know, yeah. they roll out the red carpet for donors there. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so typically two days. You stayed a few extra days. Yeah. You go home, and then. How long are you basically sort of confined to home or recovering and, you know, with all those? So, again, typically they say, you know, you'll be out of work two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I work for myself, so Mm -hmm. I gave myself a lot more time. The first week or two that I was home, you know, the big accomplishment was walking up the block. Then Mm -hmm. it was walking around the block, you know, without needing a nap or anything. It's just, you know, the surgery just takes a toll on your body. Sure. So, So that's all it really was. Um, I really didn't have any other issues. 
everything else worked really fine. I used a heating pad for comfort. You know, I had some shoulder pain that's caused from the uh, trapped yeah. air, I yeah. believe. I, I remember Correct. they warned me that they they once had someone who thought they were having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. The, it was just the... Uh, when air gets caught under your diaphragm, the, the nerve actually, like the right shoulder typically yeah. hurts. It's a weird thing, but yes. people know that after like a laparoscopy, that happens. It's a known complication. Right. Not complication, side effects, just I side, guess. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that happened. But that was really it. And I would say for me, because I took it very slow i waited a little bit longer to drive mm -hmm. and then i was back to exercising at 10 weeks oh. but did, I, yeah did they give you any long-term follow-up saying oh because you did this you have to see the nephrologist every year or this or they just said whatever see your regular doctor the only follow-ups are um the surgeon you mm -hmm. see the surgeon like two weeks after sure. four weeks after just to check on the incision mm -hmm. and then the hospital follows up at six months and a year, and I believe at two years, just blood work checks all your levels, make sure everything's good. And other than that, you're really set with your with your doctor. I actually thought I was going to get a nephrologist, but I there's really no need. Right. I mean, if you're well, you're well. Exactly. Um, and then what about when did you ultimately learn who the recipient was and then meet the recipient if you did? Um, I did. Um, so I learned actually the, the day of my surgery, my husband and I were in the waiting room and Renewal had told us they were very careful about keeping the donors and recipients apart right. in the hospital. Right. The only part that they can't control is the surgical waiting room. Right. And we saw a family there while we were waiting to go in and a man who looked to be in his sixties with his wife and two kids. And we were like, okay, that's him. That's definitely with a sign yeah. that says like, I am on dialysis. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Got it. So we were, we were sure right. that that's who But he was. would have no idea, obviously. Exactly. Right. You're just exactly. someone in the waiting room. Exactly. Yeah. Or they're wait Yeah. But the joke was on us. It was, not him. He was actually there for <laughs> a completely a, different procedure. Someone else. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so um, my husband found out who the recipient was. Not him, but he, his sister, who we ended up meeting in Israel. She was there the day of the surgery. His wife wasn't able to be there with him. And so my husband ended up meeting her during the surgery in the waiting room. Coincidentally? Uh, the, the coordinator from Renewal was sitting there and... His sister, my recipient sister, was by herself, and he felt like she might need a little bit of comfort. Right. And so my mother was there. So he he asked, you know, would you like to meet her? And and right. he facilitated that. I only found out my recipient probably late the, that night after I woke up when I watched the video. Ah, okay. So I got to see him on the video. And is he in the same surgical floor as you afterwards? Like you can just walk down the hallway and have Absolutely. coffee together? You could. Yeah. And people have. People right. have. People have even been wheeled into recovery next to each other, mm. you know? But we did not meet in the hospital at all. I believe he actually might have left the hospital before I did. Oh. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. And, I feel a little um, <laughs> guilty about that. Ooh, I'm going home. My donor's still here. We had, I don't, I don't know that we even corresponded until seven months later. We actually met, similar to the story I described earlier, at we an event. met at an event on stage. Is that typical? Is that how it usually happens? Because it sounds like a huge selling point right. for renewal. Well, They're like, we got to, these events are awesome. Yes. It's like it's like bringing the soldier home from Iraq exactly. and meeting the kid at the football game. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> Everyone cries. It's, it's yeah. extremely emotional. Typically, they do orchestrate some sort of um, dinner, like mm -hmm. some, but it's much, usually it's much smaller or whatever. Right. They'll, they'll save some of these sometimes for, right. they had asked me actually in September, I kind of got a little itchy, like, okay, I, I'd like to meet him if he's, if he's interested, right. you know, it's obviously at everyone's own discretion. And they asked me, would you mind if your recipient agrees, would you mind waiting? Like we have something in mind, would you mind waiting? Right. And I said, if, if he agrees, then I'll agree, right. you know, whatever he wants. Are there a lot of um, recipients who 
who don't want to meet the donor because they'll feel like beholden to them or it's, it does it happen a lot? It actually happens more that the donors don't want to meet the, the donors don't want. I found really for what reason? I think it's because it's a, it's, a, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's like, you know, they want to say thank you, but right. You didn't do it for that reason. And not I get only it. that, it's like, it's like they feel like saying thank you is never enough. So right. it's like, thank you. And thank you. And thank you. And, and it's like, there's no, there's no way to, I understand. You know, it's almost like you don't want to make the recipient feel uncomfortable exactly. and you don't want to like it's. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And listen, it's very people who do this are obviously very giving people. Right. It's not just a random person off the street. These are people who have made a conscious decision to right. give to someone they don't know because they think it's the right thing to do. So I would imagine that group of people is also very sensitive to the right. feelings of the recipient and not making them feel uncomfortable about this. Right. Which is right. nice. I mean, it's it's also, you know, some people don't want to know what's going on after. Yeah, I get it. You know, like, how are they yeah. living their life? Like are a they, stock ticker. You know, like, like, like exactly. My, ki- my kidney's up. My, my <laughs> right. kidney's down this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that, that definitely plays a mm-hmm. part. But we did get to meet and it was very, very emotional and very beautiful. It was exactly like you described, one of those, yeah. you know, soldier <laughs> coming home for more type moments. It was incredible. And now, you know, we shared our first kidneyversary. Unfortunately, it was during COVID, so we couldn't do anything. I was hoping right. to have some sort of dinner or something, uh-huh. but, you know, we sent each other cards and texts and every once in a while he'll send me a funny story or whatever, just some updates. Mm-hmm. And now we're friends on Facebook, so I get to see right. part of his life. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been just an incredible, incredible experience. And then you've obviously, you said you've spoken about this before, and this isn't your first time being on a podcast or one. Is that something that renewal asks you to do? Is it something you just, since it was such a positive experience for you, you feel compelled to tell your story, to give others, you know, just a sense of what it's like to, if they want to consider it or what's your reasoning behind it? It's a little bit of both actually. Right after I donated, I automatically felt like a shift. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's something, and it's something that most donors say. And when I heard that people say it before I had donated, I thought they were absolutely bonkers. When you look back at the process, the only, you know, our only regret is that we can't do it again. There's no, it's, it's a one and done, you know, there's no more. So I just felt like if I could give a piece of that to anyone else, you know, how incredible that would be. I think it was about seven weeks, six or seven weeks after my donation, got a phone call from, from Erit at Renewal asking me, she said, you know, I know it's so last minute, uh, the the donor we had who was going to speak at this, they had an event somewhere somewhere near here on mm-hmm. the Upper East Side. For some reason, they couldn't come. Would you mind coming and just telling us, telling the people about your experience? And I was like, tonight? Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, fine. And I whipped something up quickly. And after that first time, it was like, okay, that's it. I have to right. keep doing this. You know, right. this is an incredible, it's incredible. So I, I just feel like because I didn't know there's still so many people who don't know. Right. Renewal gives you like a little swag bag after you donate. And <laughs> <laughs> one of the perks. And um, in it is a bumper sticker. And it says you're following a live kidney donor. And for your family, they give one, you know, proud family of a live kidney right. donor. And I never put bumper stickers on my car. I like, mm-hmm. I don't care what my kid did. He's not getting right. a bumper sticker <laughs> on my car. Uh, but this one is on my car. And it's, I mean, I'm so careful with it. When I go to car washes, I take it off first. You know, I want to make sure. It's like a magnet, you mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. exactly. And I just... It, it just makes me so happy to share with other people that it's something something anyone can do, essentially. Right. You know, you don't need to be a certain I don't know. I, I can't I can't be a heart surgeon. I can't be, you know, but this right. is just something that 
that I could do. And I, I remember driving one time and someone kept honking at me and I was like, what? Like, leave me alone. And, and as she drove by me, she just gave me a thumbs up. You know? It's nice. And yeah, it's just something really, it's really special. Do you know anyone who's donated kidneys subsequently because of one of your talks? I do, yeah. That I must do. be pretty cool. It is. It's my husband and I used to joke that we should like do a shot of uh, a shot of whiskey or something yeah. scotch <laughs> each time. Um, yeah, I do. And I actually know of two people who were able to get kidneys. I spoke, you know, on their recipient behalf and they were right. they got kidneys as results of the uh Wow. Of the events. Does so. does renewal have like a, a program where donors who are considering it and want to talk to other donors yeah. either either in person or anonymously mm -hmm. that they can do that? Uh, yes. they have like I, I assume most people donate are happy to provide yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I've spoken to numerous people and one of the you know, renewal aside and renewal is a humongous part of my life now, but uh one of a really special thing I got to do once was um, a friend of mine had a colleague who was donating to her father completely, you know, separate from yeah. all of this, just, you know, a colleague who works in a public school. And, and he said to me, she's so nervous and she's going to do it anyway because it's her father, but right. she's so nervous. Could she just maybe talk to you? And I got to talk to her and I cried with her and I, it was incredible. And, and still, I mean, this is probably close to a year ago. And I still check in with her from time to time to see how she's doing and how her father's doing. And just to be able to share with someone, you know, going through an experience like that, it's it's unbelievable. It's just such a beautiful thing. And Renewal has this really special, we have a WhatsApp chat called, you know, donors. And we just get to share like in a community of people where I never would have met any of these women before. Right. And and they also do before before COVID when it was easier to get into hospitals, I used to go and visit donors, you know, the day or two after their surgery and just, you know, sit with them and say, you know, I've been here, I've been where you are and it's going to be okay because the first, you know, day or two after right. surgery can be unpleasant. I've been where you are for five <laughs> days actually. <laughs> I don't always tell that part of the story, but they really just I, I'm such a part of the community now, and right. it's such an such an incredible community of people who have, right. who really really are longing to do something more, you know. And it's a joke that we have, but it's it's so unfortunate. If only they could figure out a way to take both of the kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's amazing. I want to ask you one last question sure. before we wrap up here. This amazing story. Looking back over the past, I guess you know, two and a half, two years, what have you learned? from this, either about yourself or about life in general or people? I imagine there's a lot that you've learned. Absolutely. Uh, I would say the most glaringly, the thing that stands out the most is that there are just so many good people out there in the world. There just are. People are inherently good and they just want to help. A lot of times they just need to know that they can and that certain things are even possibilities. You know, so many times we'll do these big events with, you know, hundreds of people now on Zoom and it's not even about who's there. It's about the people who have in them this like spark of wanting to do something, not knowing what that right thing is. And then they hear about, you know, kidney donation for for example, and then it just sparks in them that they can do something. And I've just been so privileged to meet so many of these people who are just so willing to give. People are good. People are good and they just want to do what they can. And, you know, even though this is not the right thing for everyone and it's and I totally understand that it's not, you know, there are so many things that people can give and they want to give. They just need to know that they can. Wow. That's amazing. Aviva, thank you so much for coming and talking about your story. The organization is renewal.org. If you're, if you're interested 
And uh, and yeah, and I, I think that I also um, twisted your arm into coming back and talking about uh, way back when your own birth story. Yeah. Not 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 related to your kidneys, no. just in general. So we're gonna we're gonna have you on again. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been really wonderful. Thanks to Aviva for coming on the podcast today. And yes, I did rope her into telling her birth story as well, which should be dropping in the upcoming weeks. Thanks to Renewal for educating all of us about organ donation and helping to facilitate hundreds of them. Amazing work. For more information on Renewal, you can find them on Facebook or at their website, www.renewal.org. Hope to see you Thursday for high-risk birth stories. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman Podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.